0: Hello and welcome to TOPS 10, brought to you by KTXT Radio and the College of Media and Communication at Texas Tech University in beautiful Lubbock. TOPS 10 seeks out successful and influential people in politics and government, the many professions, the physical and social sciences, the arts and humanities, and asks them to reveal their lives, ideals, and ideals through their playlist. Our format is simple. We ask our guests what pieces of music mean the most to them and to tell us the story behind the infatuation. Mr. Derek Ginter is our producer-engineer. I'm David Perlmutter and a professor at and dean of the college and originator and sometimes host of Top's 10. Today I have with me a special guest, a graduate of our college, Mr. Phil Price. He is CEO of the Price Group and is a 1968 alumnus of Texas Tech University with a degree in Advertising and Marketing. He was recognized as a TTU Distinguished Alumnus in 2006. He was awarded our college's Lifetime Service Award in 2002, and was also inducted into the Texas Tech University Mass Communication Hall of Fame in 1995, and received the Outstanding Alumnus Award in 1990. Price served as the 10th District Governor and American Advertising Federation National Board member in 1983. He was the recipient of the AAF Aid to Education Award in 78 the Sterling Service Award in 1990, the Silver Medal in 1982, and most recently he has been named to the Southwest Advertising Hall of Fame 10th District Award. I could go on for a long time with Phil Price's biography and many of the achievements he's done, including serving his country in Vietnam, but I'm going to let him speak for himself. Welcome, Phil Price. Thanks. I'm I'm glad to be here. We've got a lot of interesting people who've been on this show, but rarely has somebody lived, a, a, I guess, as storied and as storytelling a life <laughs> as you. I've
1: told a lot of stories. I'll tell you that.
0: Well, were you always a storyteller?
1: Pretty much. Uh, I really was. Uh, I didn't. I didn't do my first show until uh, the fifth grade, and uh, then they they told me that I was. Uh, I was. What do you call it? Uh, I was I was cheating, but uh, basically, uh, I had the story that had the same characters, uh, Hansel and Gretel, but uh, it was just a teasing deal. We, we we did it first in the class, then we did it for the uh, the whole school, and we did it for the teachers and everybody, and it was it was just fun. It was kind of you know I had to drag my box all the way to uh, to school. And it was it was a, it was a fun deal, and I, I kind of enjoyed it. Did you play Hansel
0: or the witch? No, or? no, I was the director. <laughs> oh. oh, you you stood behind the scenes Good. always, Good. always. So you were the uh, the, the author there. Now, I've, Phil, take us down. Uh, you have written plays, books. Innumerable ad- advertisements, like oh, yes. copy. Uh, c- c- what, what are your What are your top ten favorite creative productions in your career?
1: I can tell you one of the ones is one of the very first ones we did. Uh, it was, I won a, a national ady, uh, and it was uh, for uh, the city bus when they, those first started here in Lubbock, and uh, with Vicky's help, we took the uh, William Tell Overture. We had a, a small group of singers. And they started out with just one singer with City Bus, City Bus, City Bus, 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 and uh, went that all the way through, and that won my first national Addy. And that was that's you know you always like your first, and she's my first, so that's, that's going to yes, work. Yes, I out. should
0: say joining us here in the studio is your uh, Am- Amorata, mm-hmm. your, your wife, your partner, uh, the the brains behind your career, as you've <laughs> described it, probably. Victoria Vicki-Price, who has refused to be on air, but uh, is smiling at us now and very supportive of uh, our endeavor today. Now, you've written plays. Yes. Uh, my
1: most successful uh, was called Heavenly Country. It started with a, a really snotty New York Times uh, critic. It's a fun show, and uh, Don Caldwell says he's going to bring it back uh, The thing is called Heavenly Country, and it's about a a New York Times critic who um, dies in a car wreck with a hog truck, and he goes to heaven, but he goes to country music heaven, and he is in hell, because every time someone says anything, like, this place is driving me crazy. Patsy Klein walks up, and Patsy Klein sings "Crazy" for him, and that goes on throughout the entire show, and uh, it's quite fun. I also found out that uh, Susan Aker, my choreographer, uh, was uh, talking to me about it after she saw the first run of the show, and she said, "Phil, you've you've done a morality play," and I said, "Wow, what is that?" <laughs> and and uh, it really turned out to be that way, and it's it's quite. Uh, most of the people really enjoy it. Uh, what I enjoy most is to seeing the guys being dragged into the, the stage by uh, by their wives, and uh, you know they're they're irritating. They wanted to be out watching something else instead of watching a play. By the end of the show, they're they're great. They're crying and doing whatever I want them to do, and that's that's what's all makes it fun. We did have Heavenly Country, and we, it ran uh, one season uh, in Palmdura Canyon every Sunday night. We we had we had the show all to ourselves, and uh, that that was very very fun because we kept seeing groups and buses of church groups coming in, and they. Uh, uh, they kept bringing more and more people, and uh, it was a it was a great deal. We also made a little money on it too.
0: I remember r- after you first told me about that, I have not seen it performed yet, but I did get online and read some reviews. And what was what, what struck me, and one of the many reasons I'm looking forward to seeing it, is a, a number of reviewers commented that it could have been a one joke thing, you know, like hey, New York guy faces country, country mm-hmm. music, but that you Invested a lot of humanity and sensitivity into the characters, especially the the critic in other words You rounded it out mm-hmm. to, to real people and in, in a fantastic situation, but that they lessons were learned and, and insights were, were gained
1: well, That was good because we had we had the right people and but you know We didn't have really big actors and what have you, but uh, we had Kenny mains. He was uh, he was st. Peter and of course, cinema, uh, Kenny, Kenny Bates. You, you probably haven't met him yet, but you will. And uh, he, he's a really well-known, well-liked uh, singer. And he he sang an awful lot of, of of the songs. We had about twenty-two songs in the show, which is uh, more than more than most uh, theaters would have done. But I, what I did, I cut everything short because it's basically a nostalgia, so that people can remember this song and that sort of thing. And it worked out. And we also had the same kind of characters. We had uh, our Lubbock Sheriff was a really good singer. He was really good, and he came across as the most real person. We had some people from Nashville come down and look at the show, and they talked m- more about David than they did about uh, just about anybody, anybody else or anything else. We had all good show, all good
0: good actors and what have you. Phil, you you listed as your first song "Jimmy Dreams" by Jimmy Buffett. Uh, not not as famous as some of the other Jimmy the Buffett songs, but you said that it tied into some of the early dreams that you had mm-hmm. in high school. Uh, you had the ambition of having a fruit stand with a walk-in cooler now I have to say in the doctor lawyer fireman astronaut <laughs> school of high school that's an unusual one right you know
1: that's that's what I what I had I became a produce manager in in high school so uh, I could I got to work uh, three hours before school and then uh, go back and then at lunch and then I'd work till six or seven every night and then I'd go pick up Vicki and uh, we had we had fun but the, as far as the walk-in cooler that that was the biggest thing I could see, and uh, I thought that would be wonderful if I had my own producer act and had everything. I could just make lots of money, and but then very quickly I I met people that had bigger dreams and showed me bigger dreams, and that was some,
0: that was a lot of fun. So you met a gentleman who was a, a clothing store marketing officer in Amarillo, mm-hmm. because you'd met him through you won a, an ad layout and copywriting contest in San Antonio, right. And that was your introduction into advertising.
1: Yes, it was. Um, I I liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't have any idea that I would win, but uh, it it was fun. But in in a way, you're you're making up stories again, because uh, I was looking at newspapers, but I was thinking about what can I do to make this, make it work. And uh, it always happens, and I, I love it.
2: Jimmy dreams, he's a child to the end what a joy when you are your best friend the world's such a toy if you'll just stay a boy you can spin it again and again jimmy flies with no use for disguise just escapes using mirrors and capes and the words do the trick There is no bigger kick Than just rhyming again and again The sound of the low tide The smell of the rain Traveling along on my boat and my plane Take it all in, it's as big as it seems all your blessings, remember your dreams Jimmy stares towards the bright Pleiades It's so strange what his distant eye sees Who knows why you start rediscovering your heart
0: But you do it again and again Now, did you grow up in a musical household? Did your parents sing? Was there, you know... uh, We have to explain to our younger uh, listeners that once upon a time, families actually gathered in one place, (laughs) facing each other... (laughs) Uh, And possibly even had a musical instrument or singing involved in a family uh, get-together.
1: I can remember uh, when my uncles would go to a a little town from Hollis, Oklahoma. Hollis was a real little town, but uh, the radio stations were, uh, you know, a half a mile or two miles, ten miles, whatever, before you could go there. And my uncles would go and bring their fiddles and everything. And uh, when they got through, they would come to my uh, grandmother's house, and I'd listen to them.
0: It was fun. What kind of music did they listen to?
1: Oh, well, it was country all the way. That's all we had. Uh, I don't think we had maybe one radio station within our range. So uh, there was very little music like that. But uh, on the weekends, you'd go. To, uh, my uncles and aunts would go to... Uh, I forget what it was called. anyway, it was a a place where all the old soldiers, they would come and do square dances and everything, and I'd listen to them. And that was just it's fun. I liked the music.
0: But you lived through a time when a radically new form of music came along called Rock and Roll. Loved and, it. And one of the songs you've listed for us is Johnny B. Good, one of the great all-time initial classics of, of the genre. It, when did you first hear something called rock and roll, and, and you, did you know it in, right away, like, wow, this is different than Hank Williams? And
1: well, I can tell you, the, the first rock and roll song was not really a rock and roll, but uh, I was uh, sleeping on a cot where I look out the window, and uh, they, we had the Air Force base there in, in Emerald, and I uh, could hear people coming and in in a car and what have you and they stopped right by my house. They started singing uh Shaboom and, and I that was just Shaboom, Shaboom da boom and it was you know, it didn't it didn't do anything like all the big bands. It was just totally different. I still love it.
0: Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry. You heard it in high school. You you told me once that Chuck Berry was um a role model in some way that he, he was asked once about what he felt he did really well and he answered enunciation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Right? And, 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 and I think that's something that's carried out in your commercial work, especially, right, is that you have to have people understand what the message you, is. You've got to understand
1: end. what they're saying and you've also got to understand what they mean to say and uh, and, and bring people in because johnny b good is a is a wonderful wonderful song it, it was the first time i heard a, a really rock and roll song and that one that one was wonderful deep
3: down in louisiana close to new orleans way back up in the woods among the evergreens
0: Now, you mentioned, along with produce, your future wife, Vicki. Yes. You don't compare the two in any way, right? <laughs> but, but you spent three hours in the morning on produce. Now, what, what business was your father in? My dad, uh, he drove a, a city
1: bus in uh, Amarillo, and my mother worked in a grocery store. I got them jobs, and that was, that was good.
0: And... When did you meet Vicky? Gosh,
1: she was what, thirteen? And I she was. She came to check uh, out
0: your fruit. Is that the <laughs> no. story? You're
1: gonna... uh, you know, I was three years older than she, and uh, we had a, a different group that uh, some of the the mothers and dads put together, and uh, we, you know, we it was just a fun fun group. That was how I met Vicki. and uh, we we never did break up once once it started. So she was raised by our grandmother. How long have you been married? Forty-seven, eight years. <laughs>
0: For, Why is it husbands always have to look to their wife for the answer for that? I, I do too, but uh, I <laughs> if
4: we make it, it'll be
0: forty-eight. Yeah. Forty-eight years—that's wonder—that's wonderful. Did did you uh, share an interest in any interest in music right away when you met?
1: Not really. We, we like the when rock and roll was coming out and things like Johnny B. Good. That was so different from all the the big band sounds, and I love big big band music and what have you, but. Uh, Johnny Be Good was that was the thing that that I, I most liked when I was in
0: high school. Now when you graduated high school did you start college before going into the military or go directly into the military?
1: I stayed out of the military as long as I could. It took me 7 years to get out of college. And mainly because I was working all the time. I was doing what I liked to do. When I got out of tech, I was drafted. I wanted to be an officer, and uh, I became an officer. It was was something I wanted to do. This was during the Vietnam War? During the Vietnam War, yes. What years were you in Vietnam? 67 to 70. So that was
0: during the probably most intense time? Yes. that offensive uh, and...
1: I, I got there right after the Tet Offensive, and uh, I fought with armored personnel carriers. I had four of those. I worked and fought in, in the highlands, and those were the the places where the North Vietnamese would come through. And there were nights that uh, we could sense where they were. I had twenty-two men. They had, you know, hundreds and more. But uh, they really didn't mess with us too much. It was our job to break up ambushes and things like that.
0: The next song you listed, I guess, is related to that, uh, Joe Ellie, Fingernails. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh,
1: Ely. Uh, Joe Ely, he's, he's a Lubbock guy. I had uh, really never heard anything like this because we had uh, Ballad of the Green Berets and things like that. But uh, Fingernails it was one thing that uh, just kind of blew me away in the same way with Vicki. It was, uh, well, let's listen to it and, and see if, if you like it.
3: I keep my fingernails long so they click when I play the piano. I keep my fingernails long so they click when I play the piano. I'm gonna keep them that way till the swallows get back from Averill. I keep my fingernails long so they click when I play the piano. I keep my fingernails long so they click when I play the piano. So he used to miss my digging chickens I keep my fingernails long so they click on play the piano I keep my fingernails long so they click on play the piano I'm gonna keep him at work till it's falling back Louisiana Woo
0: What kind of music did you listen to when you were in country in <laughs> Vietnam?
1: Oh, that was that was a terrible one. I,
0: I, I was looking for Hanoi Hannah,
1: but uh, we, they, he never was there. Uh, we, we had to work in the mornings because we started our our, our day about four in the morning. Uh, worked till about uh, well, almost dark. And then we would sit in it for a night and uh, be ready for whatever happened. Sometimes they attacked.
0: Sometimes they didn't. Did you listen to music ever?
1: Yeah. The only time we we listened to music was not when when it was "Good Morning Vietnam." Uh, it was it was when uh, by the time it got to us, it was polka music and. Uh, and, I, we, you know, we listened to it as much as we could. Did but, you use it to drive the Viet Cong <laughs> crazy? Because I would just think, you know,
0: can you imagine,
1: polka can music. Can you imagine what they thought of
0: polka yeah. was? I'm thinking of that scene from Apocalypse Now where they play uh, Wagner. But, you know, I think polka music would probably damage the enemy more. I, I, th- and, I, think, that's, I think that's true. Yeah.
1: One morning we were, doing a, we were just doing a patrol down, down a road. We were doing a mine sweep. Because we did that every morning to make sure anything they had dug up or put in, uh, we'd blow them up. It was kind of a boring deal because I'm sitting up on top of the armored personnel carrier, and I started singing. And I was going, when Johnny comes to marching hmm, again, after singing for about 15 minutes, finally the headquarters got it and told me to shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we breaking radio silence? <laughs> <laughs> yeah quite
1: a bit. But we didn't get attacked for a long time.
0: The next song you've listed is uh, by Paul Simon, The Boxer. And, you know, your your Vietnam involvement didn't end with the war. You've been very involved with the very well-regarded and um, amazingly prolific in terms of all the things that it does Vietnam Center here at Texas Tech. You know, some people, when they, they leave war, Pretty much want to put it completely behind them and don't want to ever think about it again. Some people want to say let's you know there's a lot of issues still to discuss how How did you leave Vietnam mentally after you came home. I know at that time it was very different than today. Basically people were they got out of the service and congratulations you're on the streets again and you know let <clears> us know how it turns out. There wasn't any sort of phased release or uh, or counseling or anything before people left, right?
1: No, none of that stuff that I had uh, uh, I was a attack officer which uh, if you were an honor grad from officer candidate school uh, they kept you and uh, you became basically the same thing as uh, anyone else learning, except how we were teaching other candidates and how to how to do it. You see all the people in uh, airports and things, and uh, they wouldn't even talk to us.
0: So when you came back, <laughs> mm-hmm. but
1: uh, they weren't necessarily mean
0: or anything, but they—you know—that was a very small percentage of people from what most Americans really really felt. I hope. Uh, it wasn't back then
1: it was it was mm-hmm. what most people thought or you know they didn't think we were bad but they
0: wanted to forget the war uh,
1: yeah and they just they just ignored soldiers you know I went to New York went with a there was a parade one of the Kennedys was leading the parade and uh, when it was over I went up wanted to get a beer and the guy said no soldiers in the bar in the bar yeah but I did go into uh, Playboy Club because I had a Playboy key because I was going. I had I had cruises on both coasts before I left for the army. I went in and uh, never had to buy a drink. That was it. That was a bad time.
0: Well, you have worked a lot with the um, Vietnam Center, and your next song, "The Boxer," you said that it makes you think of Admiral Zumwalt and how he had played a, an important role in. Um, the starting of the Vietnam uh, Center. Uh, he
1: he really did because uh, Jim Reckner talked to him. He Jim Jim uh, was head of the Vietnam Center at that time, and he went to uh, Washington and met with Zumwalt, who was head of the Navy. Zumwalt said that uh, he, I'll never be able to come down, but uh, to see you. But uh, I'll be glad to put my name on the on the uh, sheet of paper or whatever. We also had the. Uh, the CIA, one of our guys was a CIA agent, and uh, we had a, a lot of people that jumped on the board, and then it it just kind of exploded and, and went out. And uh, in those early years, we had all kinds of uh, VIPs coming, to, coming here, and they still do. They still come, and they still want to know what the Vietnam Center is all about, and we're, we're telling them.
5: My home and my family I was no more than a boy In the company Strangers in the quiet Of the railway station When I am scared They know Seeking out the poor Quarters where the ragged People go Looking for the places Only they would know La 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 I do declare There were times When I was so lonesome And I took some comfort there la, 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 la.
0: you always know you were going to return to West Texas after the war?
1: Pretty much, yes. This, this was, where I was where I was, and uh, I didn't have any money because the tornado blew up uh, Lubbock the night before I got out of the Army. And the sergeant was telling me when, when I came in to sign out, he said, sir, you can't go back to Lubbock. It blew away. I said, no, that was Clarendon because that was another little tornado that same night the company that i worked for uh i I was going back i was going to be the vice president the tornado hit and it blew off the top of the building and everything was gone and i started a a magazine called women today in lubbock and uh, I did that on the table at home for a while, and I had one guy that worked with me, and that was uh, enjoyable for a while. I kept liking doing more what I was doing with my ad agency, and uh, it took off. And once it started, it was just going
0: gangbusters. Your next song is Amarillo Highway by Terry Allen, and you said the best version of it is by the Mains Brothers, and it's probably one of the best West Texas songs ever written. When I... First came to visit Lubbock, and coming here a year ago for my job interview was the first time I ever visited Lubbock. A lot of people pointed out how Lubbock had this incredible music gestation scene, a lot of famous bands that maybe got famous elsewhere started in in Lubbock. Is that one of the best-kept secrets of Lubbock about how, besides Buddy Holly, obviously, we started a lot of famous music?
1: Well, the only only problem with that was because uh, people would start in Lubbock, and then they'd go to Austin. And we've lost a lot of good good singers and everything. And uh, hopefully that's going to be coming back. I'm working with Don Caldwell and Entertainment Lubbock. I'm working with that group to bring in more big music, good music, not necessarily just big big names, but uh, let people come in and, and work it here for a while and then stay here if they can.
6: I'm a high, straight and plain view, side bet in and a fresh deck in Some call me high hand and some call me lower hand But I'm holding what I am, the wheel Host-holing, high-rolling, dust-bowling, daddy And close I'll ever get to heaven Is making speed of old 87 By that hard ass
0: Your next song, Phil, is Illa del Sol by Otmar Leibert. And I, I, I have to tell you, I had not heard the song, and I'd certainly not heard the, uh, the songwriter and the performer. Now, you spent a lot of time obviously going back and forth between lubbock and, and other places where your your business had relevance including dallas but you spent a lot of time in mexico and this was a time where you basically commuted right on weekends well
1: i, well, I love mexico after i finally got there i had an artist that uh had worked for me for a while and uh, then he went to mexico city invited me down we met some of the folks there. And then uh, they said, you need to go to to Acapulco. I went to Acapulco. Then they said, you need to go to Puerto Vallarta. I went there and it was a fun deal. And we got where we could come in on Friday afternoon, jump on the plane and come back uh, Monday afternoon. And that was fun. Those were some great years.
0: Did you learn to like Mexican music, or yes, or
1: very much music? so. That's why uh, uh, Lieberman, I like him really well. It was just something that kind of got into my blood, and I still like that. I still can't speak speak uh, uh, English. Uh, I can't speak English. Excuse me. I get I get Spanish. There's a there's a group, uh, Vicky at the Cactus, that Del Castillo. It's the it's the castle. I was going there with a friend. Uh, it was actually he's he's a judge. He and his wife they're both Spanish, and anyway, they were kind of helping Vicky and I work out work out the Spanish at the intermission, uh, you know I said, Vicky, I think I can speak Spanish now." And she says, "No, they're singing in English that's what happened. but that, that was a great great time in my life. We, we, after the, the drug scenes and all that we we quit going as much, but uh, I wish we could go more.
0: Well, your ad agency grew over the years. How many people did you have working for you?
1: We had uh, 28 or 29, something like that. When we were running with uh, uh, hospitals
0: and all that, uh, we had a lot, lot bigger. Grew. So you, you grew with Lubbock? Yes. I mean, there probably wasn't a huge advertising agency seen in Lubbock in the 50s and 60s. Well,
1: well what the deal was is when I got there, they had real ad agencies, but uh, they were generally... Uh, radio guys who had started their own agency or something like that I came in with some stuff thing called uh, marketing and things like that and uh, working all that kind of stuff out no one else had, had done a marketing plan or anything like that Of course the the creative part of it is, is something that uh, that really makes makes it or breaks it or whatever it's gone on we, you know I, I know I've, I've been out for about a year a little over a year now and uh, some of the stuff they're they're turning out now is i think I hate to say this but it's as good as or better than what i was doing.
0: Well, you're known by both your competitors and the many many people who've worked with you at one time or another as sort of the father of uh, advertising marketing in Lubbock and maybe your next song is, is is fitting for that king of the road by Roger Miller. <laughs> Even i remember uh, this song. Now you you at the same time as you were doing your advertising work you were also doing this other creative work of writing
1: I was writing books yeah. and
0: uh, novels and things
1: I really enjoyed that because when I pick it up and try to look at it again uh, it just it's like seeing old friends they're real people to me
0: Phil I always thought that your career was a good lesson for our students that you know if you're creative if you if you're curious and you want to tell stories you can find different venues to do it and one doesn't cancel out the other because you you've told stories across pretty much every kind of medium and genre than anybody can think of let's take one of your your novels for example what was your first novel
1: first novel will of the wisp uh takes place in um, louisiana I started out, it was just like one little story, and then I I met a bunch of other people in the story. Really, I made it one that uh, it went from uh, one age all the way up through uh, another hundred years almost, and uh, it turned out to be liked by the critics and what have you. But I have not yet had a published novel, and that's one thing I really want. I've got somebody there working with me. It's my sister, and she is a New York Times best-selling uh, author. I'm very proud of her. Romance? Yes, she does. So if you would write a little bit more romance, I, I probably should do that.
0: Uh, and and fewer. If if I'm looking at your wife now. Could he write a romance novel? Yes, sir. Yes, she she agreed right away. So okay. I think you, you could well, do it. good.
7: Trailer for sale or rent. Rooms to let, fifty cents. No phone, no pool, no pets I Ain't got no cigarettes Ah, but two hours of pushing broom Buys a eight-by-twelve four-bit broom I'm a man of means by no means King of the road Third boxcar, midnight train On every train All of the children And all of their names And every handout In every town And every lock that ain't locked When no one's around I sing trailers for sale Or rent Rooms to let Fifty cents No phone No pool No pets I ain't got no cigarettes uh, But two hours of pushing broom Buys a 8 but four-bit room I'm a man of means by no means King of the road Trailers for silver rent Rooms to let 50 cents no phone, no boo, no pets I ain't got no cigarettes uh, but
0: Now as you have made most of your artistic contributions in advertising but as we talked about in plays and your next song is Try to Remember... From the one of the famous songs from the musical, The Fantastics, which I think has one of the records for among the longest playing shows on Broadway. I try to remember, certainly is, a, is a right. Song. And, and wasn't he from Lubbock? I, I think I I'll know. have to check it out.
1: Somebody can Google it and we can find out. Because uh, that was the first time I had heard a really good play. I just I just loved it. That was back uh, back when there was a little. We had a very small little theater that you actually had to go underground to get into it, it right by the Student Union. That was the first real play that I'd ever seen, a musical play.
0: Do you get inspired to say, well, I, I like to be able to do that?
1: Oh, yeah. I like to do it because everything, uh, you know, if you're a good ad man, everything you do is a story. You just move it on as you need to and as you want to. But you, you've got you've to have a, a purpose in what you're writing for, but you're doing that... If, if you're writing a romance novel, I, they're all those that are still the same thing. I told people, that said, how many ads have you written? I said, I've written thousands. Most of them were uh,
0: my stories. But you had to integrate music, words, mm-hmm. imagery, character, and compact it down. I, I remember years ago, I read a book, which I still recommend to students. It's the one of the best ones I've ever read about artistic creation, and it was the autobiography of chuck jones who created the warner brothers cartoons Mm. uh... i think he invented daffy duck not bugs bunny but he did like twenty years of the famous bugs bunny daffy duck porky pig cartoons and i didn't realize that he said that those cartoons which appeared in movies you know between movies we we don't really have Mm -hmm. that anymore had to be exactly six minutes long i'm talking about to the exact second six minutes and because they were dealing with cartoons, they, it, they couldn't, like, have a rehearsal. They had to draw and score and voiceover exactly six minutes. And he said that really taught him a lot of discipline. Well, ads, obviously, you have to, You can't just, oh, you know, I'll make this ad 17 seconds and this <laughs> ad 43 seconds. You you have to be exactly within the format. That teaches you a lot of discipline about storytelling, doesn't it?
1: It does, but it's, it's amazing how you've written this wonderful thing and it's seven minutes long and it's going to be on during the news. You have to cut it down, and I don't know how many times, virtually every time I've, I've written something and it's too long, and I go to bed and I get up at 3, and I go down and just start cutting stuff out. And after I've cut it out and read back over it, I can't tell what it was that I cut out. when it actually just flows better.
8: Try to remember the kind of September when life was slow. And oh, so mellow. Try to remember the kind of September when grass was green and grain was yellow. Try to remember the kind of September when you we December, our hearts should remember and follow.
0: Your next song is also one that I, growing up in the 70s, that I had already started to hear from the Beach Boys, which were still popular there, Little Deuce Coupe. Now, what car did you drive when you were coming out of high school?
1: I drove. uh, Actually, I had a pretty nice car because I made pretty good money even when I was in high school. It was a Ford. I had worked with a group that we were called the Beast Builders. I wasn't much of a beast or a builder, but uh, I enjoyed going in with the boys. And that was about one of the first things that uh, I really got into. Uh, We wanted to have a drag strip uh, in Amarillo, and we got it. I was always having to work and never went to a, a race. But we got it put together, and that was fun.
0: So you never raced a drag car? No, no. It was a good idea at the time, though. Well, Are you glad that he never raced to drag the uh, gear? Yeah, <laughs> she's she's not insane. A good idea though. <laughs> That when the Beatles came to the United States, that you were not as impressed as the other three million screaming teenagers.
1: No, I, I, I thought the hair looked funny. I thought they looked funny, and I sure didn't like the girls liking them so much. It, it was a fun time in my life, but uh, I'm, I really was more of a Beach Boy because I had I had never been to a beach. You know, I grew up in Oklahoma, and the beaches are rather small. I enjoyed it, but it was just a, a different kind of life and I love that kind of life but i I'm always have been pushing over there. I want to be over there and be that kind of a, a guy, but I also want to be this other guy. And it helps that I'm a Gemini and everything
0: else that uh, I can be
1: both people and I enjoy
0: it. Now, when you were putting together those thousands of ads, you always had to pick music. And you mentioned the famous City Bus one you did. You mm-hmm. picked the William Tell Overture. Did you have a preference for any particular kind of music or just whatever seemed to fit the mood, the the sense of the ad?
1: Well, it it depends on what I want to do. Uh, Like on a a stage show, we had one on uh, country music out here in West Texas. We had uh, guitar players and, and everything that they were playing outside as people came in, and they played a lot of just good country music. And then as they got in and took their seats, we started playing old country music. And then uh, when we started the show for uh, Heavenly Country, we switched to Beethoven's Fifth and then another classical. People didn't understand what was going on, but then, because, you know, these guys are dying, they're dead. It it really rocked the house when that happened, because they, they had sitting there thinking, are we in the wrong place by the time it had hit they realized what was happening and uh, that was really fun when when you see this thing coming alive because you know every time there's a show i'm peeking through the the curtain to see if, uh, if they're going for it, and they are, and when they're when they're just stunned at it, and uh, I love that, where where we've, we've got them. They're, they're listening.
0: And a lot of advertising, of course, you don't know right away what the audience reaction is going to be until later, but with a play, you can s- sit there and watch people that, react. That is
1: so much fun. I'd like to go ahead and start doing that again.
0: Your final song for us is The Cape by Jerry Jeff Walker. And you say, there's still a kid in my heart who's going to tie on his cape and fly, but I'll build the wings on the way down. That's always been the way I've lived. You can tell I'm very emotional. Well, Phil, when you've lived a life where you've taken a lot of, you've taken risks, but there've been risks that were always creative... We're always trying to do something interesting and new and different, whether it was serving your country or in your business or in your art, which all, of course, crossed into each other. Do you have advice for the young people coming out of our college or coming out of Texas Tech now about that? Because we're—it's—it's it's a time where a lot of people are scared. You know, a lot of parents are scared that their kids are not going to be able to find, you know, permanent employment. There's a lot of kids that have heard about how tough it is to to get a job and and to succeed it uh, doesn't matter what your your major is do you have do you have advice about sort of keeping true to a compass of saying you know t- to be creative and to try new things
1: I, I think the main thing is is to do what you want to do and what you you know you that you're good at i always uh, enjoyed what i was doing sometimes i was making money sometimes i wasn't but i didn't worry about whether or not uh, this was going to happen or that was going to happen. I, I did everything I could to make sure that, that we were safe and, and that sort of thing. But I always wanted to do what I wanted to do, and uh, I wanted to do ads. And I started doing them, and I still want to, and I still do. And don't be afraid to. you know, Don't take the easy way out. Do what you you want to do and, and what's good for you.
0: Well, thank you, Phil Price. We're going to end on listening to The Cape by Jerry Jeff Walker. And thank you for coming. Thank you for a, a lifetime past, but a lifetime to come of inspiring people in Lubbock in so many different uh, professions. Again, I've only been here as of this recording, probably about 10 months, but it seems like half of Lubbock has uh, a sense of gratitude towards Phil Price, either personally or for what you've done for the city. So on behalf of a grateful Lubbock, thank you very much, Phil Price, and let's listen to The Cape. Thank you.
9: He's got a flower sack he tied all around his neck He's climbing up on the top to cry So he's a-figuring what the heck He screws his courage up so darn tight That the whole thing coming well Gotta run his start and bless his heart hit headed for the ground Cause he's one of those who knows Life is just a leap of faith Gotta spread your arms and hold your breath And always trust your cape Well, he's all grown up He's got a flower sack cape out all around his dreams He's full of piss and vinegar eyes. He's a-busting at the seams He his finger and he checks the wind It's gonna be do or die He wasn't scared of nothing, boys He's uh, pretty sure he can fly But he's one of those who knows His life is just a leap of faith Gotta spread your arms and hold your breath And always trust your case he's old and gray with a flower sack cape tied all around his head and he's still jumping off the garage and will be till he's dead and all the years the people said the fool was acting like a kid and since they didn't know he couldn't fly well of course he did Cause he's one of those that knows his life is just a leap of faith Gotta spread your arms and hold your breath And always trust your Kate Gotta spread your arms and hold your breath And always trust your cake